0: Which, Please turn with me to your study outlines. And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are watching online. We are so glad that you are with us as well. And also, uh, the earlier service we taped, the service of uh, the message for Montana Purpose Church, the Hangar in Montana, and also Purpose Church in Claremont, and then the 1111 traditional venue. But today we really want to be unified with our Montana campus, which our campus pastor is Mary Todd. You can see her picture there in your PFB Weekly, along with her husband Rick. And I'm going to read this because it's a little bit sensitive information. So I asked our executive pastor, Peter Tory, to write this for me so I could read it. Uh, precisely. We would like to encourage you to be praying for Rick and Mary Todd, who started the Hangar Church up in Montana. You may recall that last June, their oldest son Shane was found dead in Singapore where he was working. When Rick and Mary went to Singapore, they were convinced that Shane was murdered and that his murder was related to a work project he was working on, which he felt could compromise United States security. Rick and Mary have been in Washington, D.C. this past week and have been on multiple news programs as the investigation continues. This past week, they were on CNN. They were on Fox News. They were on CBS. Uh, Financial Times had a long article on them. USA Today had an article on them. And those are just the ones that I know about. They've been meeting with congressional leaders. Uh, con- Congressman Wolf from Virginia is a real pit bull on these kind of things. And uh, politicians and, and leaders in Washington, D.C. are taking up this cause and 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 so are publications all over the place, and it's just unbelievable how this thing has been exploding. And they have been lifting up Jesus wherever they go. Sometimes the news source won't bring it into their broadcast, but they have always talked about Jesus and how he's working through this situation. And so would you please pray for wisdom and endurance for Rick and Mary as they continue to talk with both government officials and the media? So we are unified with our Montana campus, Claremont. Uh, we are joining together. uh, today to pray uh, for the Todds as they have this strategic opportunity both with the media and with the leaders of Congress. So let's pray together. Lord, right now we pray for Rick and Mary. We pray that you will give them strength, comfort as they continue to mourn the loss of their son this past summer, and then, Lord, give them wisdom and discernment that you will be honored, that justice will be done in the midst of this delicate situation, both for our own country and other countries involved, and national security. We pray for them now as their church family, and we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Uh, Now we begin our new series for the month of March entitled The Power of a Whisper. And as we start it, let's watch this together.
1: The very first acknowledgement in this book goes to my second grade teacher, whose name is Miss Van Solen. And she's the one who taught a Bible story when I was in second grade about Samuel, the young boy who, who heard voices in the middle of the night. And he would get out of bed and go to Eli and say, So, what do you want? And Eli would say, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this happened three times. And finally, Eli said to Samuel, next time you hear a voice, why don't you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back to bed. He hears a voice and he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God actually speaks to this young boy and he gives him a message that he's supposed to tell Eli the next day. And Samuel, in fact, tells Eli the whole message the next day. So, my second grade teacher is reading the story to the class. The recess bell rings and everybody runs out. And I'm transfixed in my chair. And I was always the first kid out to recess, organizing the athletics, and so I was glued to the chair because of the nature of that story of God speaking to somebody. Very timidly, I walked to the front of the class, and I said, "Miss Van Zolen, does God still speak today? And she was caught a little off guard, and she said, what? And I said, in the story, God spoke to a young boy. Do you think that God still speaks to young boys today? And she said, well, why do you ask? And I said, because I think it'd be about the coolest thing in the world. If God were to still speak, you know, to people and to young boys today. And she said, well, I absolutely think he does. And she reached in the top drawer of her desk and she gave me a poem. And she said, maybe you would enjoy this poem. I'll take it with you when you go home tonight. And I did. Later on that night, before I went to bed, I read the poem and I liked it so much that I read it several times and then committed it to memory. Next day I go to school and I'm about ready to go out for recess and my teacher stops me and she said, did you read that poem? And I said, in fact, I did. I actually memorized it and uh, I thought she was going to faint. And she said, if you memorized it, why don't you say it to me? I said, okay, I can say it. Oh, give me Samuel's ear, an open ear, O Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word like him to answer to thy call, and to obey thee first of all." I thought she was going to pass out, I mean, the, the look on her face, a second grader, you know, not just reading a poem, but memorizing one that she had given to me. She put her hands on my shoulders and she said, Bill Heibels, if you listen for the voice of God and obey it, I think God's going to have an anointed plan. And He's going to put power on your life. And I remember thinking, well, whatever. But I ran out to recess, and that was that. But I've probably repeated that poem in my head tens of thousands of times. Uh, Still in there right now. You could poke me in the middle of the night. I could say that poem. So, a few weeks ago, when I was just finishing the book The Power of a Whisper, uh, someone walked into my office, and they had kind of a promotional copy of it. Not the real thing, but just a promotional copy of it. And I looked at it for the first time, and I thought, wow, this all goes back to my second grade teacher. Just then, my assistant, Jean, came into my office with an email, and she said, you better sit down, Bill. I got bad news. And I sat down and she said, your second grade teacher just died. So I was holding the book, The Power of the Whisper*, Power of a Whisper*, and the email about Miss Van Solen's death. And I thought, too strange, really. Got to be kidding me. And I was filled with appointments that day and the next day, and I got a whisper from God that the right thing to do would be to fly to the city where her funeral service was being held and to attend her funeral. So I thought about it, and I prayed about it. I said, this is the right thing to do. So I canceled all my appointments. I chartered an aircraft and flew to this little city and, uh, yeah, stood by her casket and remembered what a second-grade teacher did to just a young guy, you know, 15 minutes after a class, and she gives me a poem, and she tells me that God still speaks, and that maybe my life could be anointed if I would listen for whispers, so that day, standing by her casket, I thought, yeah, that little poem and that concept of whispers changed the whole course of my life and I have a real debt to pay to that woman. I did so, you know, standing there at her casket. But driving away from that funeral, kinda rededicated myself to the concept that I wanna I wanna live with one ear open to heaven every day. And when I hear God speak I wanna figure out if it's really God and if it's really what he would want me to do, and if it is, I want to be able to pay the price. I want to, you know, follow through with it, regardless of the cost. And I want the rest of my life to be about that adventure, just a, a whisper-led, God-guided adventure. And I don't know where it's gonna go, uh, but, you know, I want to be on that kind of path. Part of the reason I'm so passionate about this curriculum that you're all going through is because each of you might have kind of a Miss Van Solen moment where undeniably and unmistakably God speaks to you and you realize he has spoken and I need to bet the farm, I need to do something, I need to follow his bidding and as you join into that kind of life I mean, this is going to be quite an adventure for you And I wish you well on this adventure.
0: I pray for you, for us, a Miss Van Solen moment over the next few weeks. And I also maybe should pray for you to maybe be a Miss Van Solen. I know our Pastor Lois, our children's pastor, would love me to give an advertisement for children's ministry right now. Uh, you look in your PFB weekly. You'll see that we need a kindergarten teacher at the eleven eleven hour. That children's ministry has grown so much at eleven eleven, as that service has grown, that we need another uh, class of kindergartners. And so maybe God will lead you to that. Maybe you're involved in children's ministry either on Wednesday night or Sunday mornings or some other time. And always remember, it could be an ordinary day when you just walk in. Maybe it'll be a bad day. Maybe you didn't feel much like coming to do that on a particular day. But God can use you. I mean, just think of that Miss Van Soul and a second grade teacher in that moment said one simple thing. And if you know the history of Bill Hybels and Willow Creek Church near Chicago, you'll know that that second grade teacher literally changed the course of history for eternity for so many people by her moment of faithfulness. Today we're going to start with the whisper-led life. Here are two major concepts. First of all, you can discern direction by learning to test each whisper you receive. Now by this, we don't necessarily mean an audible voice from God. Now some people would say it's so clear, it's as if it was an audible voice from God, but it's an impression. It's a sense that God is speaking, even if it's not necessarily audible. And, And it's learning to hear the whisper of God. That's what we're going to do. We're going to train our ear. Um, before the, when they were doing the sound checks earlier, I heard Pastor Jay kind of working with the praise band and the, and the worship team. And musicians have told me through the years that Pastor Jay has an incredible ability to hear exactly what's going on uh, with, within a song. And they say it's uncanny his ability. And that's what we want to do. We want to sharpen our ear over the next four weeks so that we can hear more clearly the whisper of God. And then secondly, what if you really could hear? From from Heaven, as you navigate life on earth, you know Kimberly and I are quite nostalgic about this time, this period of time, because it was twenty years ago right now, that the two of us heard god 's whisper to leave New York and to come here to pastor uh, this wonderful church. Kimberly is so much better than me at um, remembering where she heard the whisper of God. She, you know, I, I hear the whispers, but then I kind of forget about it the time and place. But she can tell you exactly where she was when she heard God's whisper to adopt our sons, John and Andrew. She can tell you exactly where she was when she heard the whisper to uh, later on adopt our children, Rebecca and Noah. She can tell you where she was when she heard God's whisper to start the new community ministry to the youth of Pomona and now the Nukova School. And she can remember, she said, the clearest whisper, the, the, uh, the closest thing to an audible voice she ever heard from God was when he told her to marry me. Um, that one, God had to be very clear on. Uh, uh, she was uh, dating a doctor right around that time, so God had to shout to her to uh, marry me instead. Uh, I said last Sunday that five minutes after we die, we will know exactly how we should have lived our lives. And I said how when I heard that, it sent a chill down my spine. But here's how we can eliminate regret five minutes after we die, is by learning to hear the whisper of God and acting on it. The more we hear his whispers and act on those whispers, the fewer regrets we'll have five minutes after death when we'll know exactly how we should have lived our lives. Now, one of the most famous uh, examples of hearing the voice of God was in Acts chapter 9. It started the whole Christian movement. Uh, Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, was on his way to kill more Christians. Having killed Christians in Jerusalem, he was on his way to killing Christians in Damascus. And it says that God appeared to him in a bright light. And in verse 4, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, Saul and Paul being the same person. Now, just a little bit of a sidebar is uh, those of you that are not yet followers of Christ. uh, I want to encourage you, if you're not yet ready to pray the prayer to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Here's here's a prayer you can pray. You say, Lord, if you're out there, if you're real, I'm going to be listening. And would you please whisper to me? I call that a willing-to-be-made-willing prayer, where you say, Lord, I'm not yet ready to commit my life to you, but I'm going to be listening. And it's not going to be necessarily an audible voice, but I'm going to be sensing through circumstances and through a sense and an impression from you that you are speaking to me. And God, if you're out there, tell me you're there and who you are. Now, Saul got an immediate answer. Uh, Saul uh, immediately says, who are you, Lord? And immediately, Jesus said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Now we skip to another follower of Christ, somebody who's already following Christ, named Ananias, down in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple, a Christ follower, named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, here are the three keys from this story. Key number one, sometimes our ears get open in the most dramatic ways. Now, sometimes it's dramatic, and sometimes it's not very dramatic. It's just a whisper. Sometimes it's a shout, like it was for uh, Saul, and sometimes it's just a whisper. You're going your own way, and God whispers to you, give up your stubborn hold on your life and come follow me. Maybe we're getting too caught up in materialism, or maybe we're envying another person, and we hear his whisper saying, Go in a different direction. Maybe we hear his whisper saying, This is the right job to take, or This is the wrong job to take. Or maybe this is the right person to marry, or This is the wrong person to marry, or This is the right house to buy, or The right Car to buy, or this is the wrong house to buy, or the wrong car to buy. But uh, sometimes it's dramatic, but sometimes it's not so dramatic. Key number two, now we shift to Ananias. When we obey a prompting from God, we often open the door for others to obey divine direction that they receive. Now think of Ananias' assignment here. Uh, Paul was a mass murderer, he specialized in killing Christians. As a matter of fact, I never thought of it till this week. Probably he had a list of who he was going to kill in Damascus. And and most likely, Ananias' name was at the top or towards the top of that list. And now God comes to Ananias and says, go pray for this guy. Go talk to him. Uh, but because he obeyed, Paul himself was able to obey. And then number three, we never know what kingdom good can come from obeying God. And Ananias never knew that by acting on that, this mass murderer... Paul, Saul, Paul, would write two-thirds of the New Testament. He would launch the biggest, most powerful movement for good in all of human history. Two thousand years later, two billion people in every nook and cranny, every language, ethnic group, all around the world, followers of Christ. Just like Miss Van Solen. Uh, You may not know just some ordinary day that you have at work or in your family or in your neighborhood or at school, some extremely ordinary day, and you hear a whisper from God, you act on it, and it literally changes human history for eternity. That's what happened to Ananias. Uh, that, that, that's what happened to Miss Van Solen. Now, you're probably asking a couple of questions. Uh, a couple, no, question number one is, Glenn, I know God speaks to other people, but he, he just doesn't speak to me. It's just quiet up there and so what i'm hoping to do over the next few weeks it, through either the classes that you go to and if you look on page 7 in your pfb weekly there are 25 different classes that you can pick from, or times of the week, or whenever works for you. There's actually 26. The International Fellowship is doing this right after this service at 1111 as well. And uh, either through the classes or through reading the book, The Power of a Whisper," that's available at the Resource Center or here in the sermons. I'm praying that we're going to sharpen our ability to hear the whispers of God. Now, the second question you're probably having is, Glenn, how do you tell if it's the real thing or not? Because a lot of crazy people have done some crazy stuff when they heard voices, particularly voices from God. I mean, you know, you got to discern what's right and what's wrong. And so here, if you turn to the next page of your study outline, you discern divine direction by learning to do these five things. And the first one is to ask God if the prompting you receive is truly from him. And now I'm gonna ask our New Testament scholar in residence, Dr. Carl Tony, if he would come up now and just cover this uh, first point.
2: relate to those videos? Are any of you in those
1: videos?
2: (laughs) I know I can relate to that. Up in Reading, we always had this one screen door that we would always run into, and mom and dad eventually had to put a decal, I think it was of a rainbow or a fish, or maybe it was a rainbow fish that they finally put up to keep us from stop walking through that door. Uh, Open and shut doors are kind of important, aren't they? Walking through an open door is always preferable than walking through the shut door, isn't it? Um, sometimes we hear talking about language of discerning God's will. We'll hear people say, well, God opened this door for me or God shut this door for me in terms of either creating an opportunity or closing an opportunity for us, haven't we? Whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job, whether it be a ministry opportunity, sometimes we talk about open and shut doors in our lives. And I think that open and shut doors are important. They are one way that we do discern God's will in our lives, but they're not the only way. In some ways, if we reduce God's will to opening and shutting doors, it's almost like we've decided that God is running some mad scientist experiment where we are maybe rats in some sort of maze, and God is opening certain doors and shutting different doors in our lives so that we can get to that cheese. God hasn't turned you into a robot. God does not reduce your choices to either the one right answer or the one wrong answer. It's not about simply looking, is this door open for me or is it shut for me? I have a surprising scripture that I'd like us to look to where someone no less than the Apostle Paul says no to a door that God opened for him. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Now, I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. Well, awesome, Paul. Walk through it. I still had no peace of mind, though. And because I did not find my brother Titus there, I said goodbye to them and went on my way to Macedonia. Here we have a surprising text where God has opened the door for Paul to share the gospel with these people. And yet Paul says no to that open door and continues on his way to Macedonia to find Titus. Why is that? What Really? We can say no to sharing the gospel? Oh, I don't need to come to church. I don't need to help out with ministry. If Paul said no to ministry, so can I, right? It's not quite that simple. Paul has a ministry plan. God has a wider vision cast for him. This isn't an excuse for us to say no to ministry. Paul has a particular ministry, a particular calling on his life, which he is saying yes to, a bigger calling in his life than this distraction, this side distraction, sharing the gospel with people in Troas. When it comes to open and shut doors, we need to think of those in terms of opportunities and ways that God does lead us. But they all are set within the wider picture of what is God's purpose for my life? What is God's plan for my life? What is God's vision for my life? What is His calling on my life? And when we think about open and shut doors in that framework, that there's a goal, there's a destination that God has set out for me, well, open and shut doors become opportunities to get us closer to that destination. It's like when you came to church this morning, uh, none of us uh, looked at the front door and said, Well, that door's shut, I guess I'm not coming this morning, right? Or uh, looking at certain open doors in in our house. Oh, I'm going to go into that side bedroom for a moment, and you're stuck in that room because that's the open door. We don't make our decisions simply on open and shut doors, or if you're on the freeway and you get stuck in rush hour traffic. You know, you got to get to your job. In some ways, that door has been shut to you from that accident, but you maybe go on the side streets because you've got a, a destination, a goal in mind. Uh, you have to get to your job. You have to get to the zoo. You have to get to that destination. Uh, open and shut doors are ways that God leads us in paths and journey of life, but they are not there to distract us from the ultimate goal and journey of our life. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, 1 and 2. In view of God's mercies, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. And by doing this, you will know what God's will is, what God's purpose is for your life. His good, pleasing will. By looking at the gospel, looking at the grace of God in our lives, by hearing the grace of God in other people's lives, we begin to catch a glimpse of what God's vision is for us, what God's purpose is for us in our lives. When we discover what God's purpose is for in our lives, we can then decide whether the door that's being opened for us is being opened by God or being closed by God and whether to wiggle the handle a little bit more and try again or whether to go a different direction because of what God's calling and purpose is for us.
0: Thank you, Carl. you know, I'm going to do a quick commercial for you. If you're not currently in a uh, class on Sunday mornings during nine forty-five. So you're going right, right now, back yeah. to your I'm class. You left class your right class. Now. You're going right back. Quorum deo. Yep. so you've outgrown your room here. Yep. So now your second floor, right on the other side of the screen, yep. is where your classroom meets. And you know, if you don't have a class, people have loved this class, and you get to have a. New Testament scholar as your <laughs> professor. So yeah. let's thank Carl uh, for sharing here today. Thank you. Yeah. And, and you guys are uh, going through. The and you're doing Power of a Whisper. Like everyone doing else. Power yep. of a Absolutely. Whisper this month. Very, very good. Second thing you test it by, uh, ask if it aligns with Scripture. Okay? God's never going to give you a whisper that contradicts his word. Never going to happen. Number three, ask if it's wise. That is, do people I consider wise people, uh, just think about would they do this particular thing? Remember the bracelets, the people used to have WWJD? What would Jesus do? Could you imagine Jesus doing this thing? Or WWWPD, what would a wise person do? Think about the book of Proverbs that is all about wisdom. It says wise people love knowledge. They have gentle speech. They're not screamers, uh, for example. They live blamelessly. They seek after that which is right and just and fair. So, would wise people do this particular thing? Number four, ask if it is in tune with your character or wiring. And um, if you go to one of the classes here today or this week, they'll get into that deeper as what those classes are. It's 20 minutes of Bill Hybel's teaching, the fellow that you saw at the beginning, and then it's some discussion after that. And you're going to get deeper into figuring out, is this in tune with who I am and and how God wired me to be? Usually, now there are exceptions to this, and this is the one of these that I have seen exceptions on, okay? But but usually, God will call you to do something according to how he wired you you and made you. I love this one illustration from the book, and these books are available at the Resource uh, Center afterwards. And I love this particular um, illustration that he gives where he says that after one of the services um, of his church, he says, one weekend following a service at Willow, I spoke with a man who said he had been so moved by a particular music number during the service that he was contemplating quitting his job as a successful stockbroker and going full bore into the Christian music industry. Anybody after hearing Doug this morning think, you know what, I don't care what I'm doing in life, I'm just going to go do that. I really feel like that's what God wants me to do, he said. I just can't shake the sense that this is my new calling in life. I waited until he finished his determined explanations of his new career and then threw a few softball questions his way. Do you have any musical training, I asked. After some hemming and hawing, the answer, turns out, was no. What about any experience in singing or songwriting? I mean, was there ever a time in your youth when you were drawn towards the arts? Again, no. Hmm, you sing in the shower at all. A third time, no. I looked at the successful stockbroker and said, not trying to burst any God-ordained bubbles here, but is it possible that you were simply moved by a powerful song? And that maybe God just wants you to reflect on that wonderful experience without upending your entire world in order to pursue a new vocation. And so usually, not always, uh, God calls us to do things that are in, in line with who he's wired us uh, to be. And then number five, ask those you most trust what they think of the whisper you've received. Uh, the Bible says in the message paraphrase in Proverbs eleven fourteen, without good direction, people lose their way the more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Or the NIV translation, um, we'll put it up here. I'm just reading it from my Bible, but it goes this way. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. I've been reading uh, the book 1776, about the first year of the Revolutionary War, and it's mainly about George Washington. And it's been very eye-opening to me. I mean, if there's ever anybody you think, could just walk into a group room, evaluate a situation, and know exactly what to do all the time, it would be the father of our country, George Washington, right? Not true. He had stupid ideas all the time. Uh, it reads about how um, he, he was, uh, they were under the siege of Boston, and the British were very well ensconced and, and good defensive um, uh, alignment there in Boston. And he was an activist. George Washington was a doer And so several different times, he says, let's just attack them. And all of his generals, he convene his generals, and fortunately, he listened to them, and and unanimously, they would say, if we do it, we're going to get slaughtered. Just wait for a better opportunity. And so they hauled the guns of Ticonderoga across all these miles, and in the middle of the night, put them on Dorchester Heights, and without a single shot being fired, they defeated Boston, and the British evacuated Boston. And it's because he listened to his generals. So here's George Washington, arguably one of the greatest leaders of all time. He wasn't right 100% of the time. He needed advisors. And he was humble enough man to listen to those advisors. Look for people that have walked with Christ either longer than you have or with greater maturity than you have. Uh, Look for advisors that know you well. Not only know Christ and his ways well, but, but they know you. And your life situation and who you are, and number three, look for people that have shown a track record of being good at handling promptings from God and acting on those things. First John chapter four, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Does anybody want to say Amen to that? Don't say it too strong to hurt my feelings. Okay, now. Um, If you go to one of the classes, and like I said, there are 25 now with International Fellowship, 26 classes. If you go to one of these today or this week, you're going to meet a man. Or if you went already at 830, you met a man on the video segment. Because it's 20 minutes of teaching and then you have discussion time. Who felt an impression, a whisper from God to give his kidney to a pastor he barely knew. Now that's something you want to test. If you have this sense you're supposed to give somebody you hardly know a kidney... Uh, you got to test that by these five screens. And then once we hear the whisper of God, Matthew chapter 8 is such a great story. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. you have a pencil or pen, underlying those four words, just say the word. Bill Hybels talks about being just say the word, Christians. Hear the whisper, just say the word, acting on it. Hear the whisper, act on it. That's how you become effective for eternity in the Christian life. It says down in verse 10 that when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. The feel of the original Greek text is that it took his breath away. Another translation says, he marveled. It's the strongest word ever used in the Bible with response to Jesus dealing with another person's faith. We never see this word ever used again with regard to Jesus being impressed by somebody's faith. He was a just say the word kind of guy. And that's what we want to learn over the next four weeks. How to hear the whispers and then say, God, just say the word and we act on it. Three ways we're going to do this, through the sermons here on Sunday morning, through getting a hold of this book at the Resource Center, or through attending um, one of those classes. But now we're going to share the Lord's Supper together, and everybody here is welcome to share the Lord's Supper. Uh, You just need to know that you're a follower of Christ. Everybody, if you know you're a follower of Jesus, then you're welcome to show that publicly through taking the bread and, and the cup. Um, You say, Glenn, I'm not sure if I've made that step or if I'd like to take it today. How would I do it? On the back of your PFB Weekly, you'll see three simple steps the Bible talks about and then a little suggested prayer. And maybe today is your day, March 3rd, 2013. You've sensed God whispering to you he does it often when you read the Bible or when you hear the Bible preached. That's a, that's a very common time to hear the whisper of God. And you're hearing the whisper. You know, I said to you that five minutes after you die, you'll know exactly how you should have lived. I can guarantee you that five minutes after you die, you'll realize the most important decision you could ever make is to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. I know that. And this could be your day. And so there's a little suggested prayer, and in the quietness of this moment, as God has whispered to you, if you want to whisper back to him this prayer and open your heart to receive Jesus, then you are very welcome uh, to share the Lord's Supper with us. So let's take just a moment and prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper.